Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Pandemic Classroom. Tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, this strange situation we found ourselves in uh, and uh, discussing a little bit of this presidential transition time. I'm joined by my co-hosts, John Shank, Matt Limbrick, Greg Goujon, and I'm Mike Woods. All right, now uh, onto the show, I suppose. So, yeah, transition. Oh, yep. Presidential. That, that, that pause. That pause says everything that needs to be said well, about it. Because it's so murky, we, we're not sure exactly. Well, I say we're not sure, but there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen, and I think sure. that's why we're doing this podcast, also, and a little bit worried as well. So let's. Um, I want to start back, kind of at the tail end of where we left off. Uh, last episode, just kind of revisit. So what? So basically, what has happened? Because we're recording, you know, uh, November tenth, I guess it is. So, mm. so we're you know a week out from the election now, um, which took some time to get some results, um, mm -hmm. and still, you know, not official results. Technically, we're not. Uh, we don't have certified. Uh, all the states, and they've got plenty of time to do that. I didn't realize I was looking through the list. California has up until like December 11th, and the electors vote on December 14th. So they can literally turn their homework in at the last minute. Um, Three days before. Not exactly. Yeah. I wish yeah. they so had they that kind of <laughs> Students having that window, that's turning in early. They, if they turn I mean, it like, in some of them, some of them are, are now. Like I think Louisiana had till today at midnight. Or tonight at midnight to turn theirs in uh, or to certify their election results, which I mean, some of those states are are a no brainer because there's such a, a phenomenal lead that realistically, even if you didn't account for every single last vote in the state before certifying the election, there's just not enough out there for the other candidate to surpass anybody. So, you know, some of those I mean, states state populations were not even like part of the margin. So it's I mean, it's a, it's a exactly. given. Yeah, yeah. But we do have we do have a handful of uh, states that are kind of in contention. So we've got uh, I think uh, Michigan is still on that list. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't think North Carolina is all in yet. I know Georgia has been kind of a hot button one. Um, Nevada was still out there, I think, too. Nevada, yeah, yeah. And I think there they, there may be even some contesting of Arizona going on still. Um, I know that they. They have officially declared results, but I don't know that they're, you know, they're, um, they're going to leave it at that. So, you know, uh, essentially what the, uh, I guess, conclusion of the, the press and the majority of information that we have right now is that, uh, that Joe Biden is the president-elect for the uh, next presidential term. Um, but just to kind of keep everybody on the same page, um, you know, the, the current president, Donald Trump, is um, he has not conceded the election, which he doesn't need to do, but uh, he has not. Uh, and in fact, is is actively contesting the results of several states um, and has opened up uh, or is attempting to open up uh, legal cases to pursue some of those states. And then his campaign is also um, uh, pursuing recounts in some of the states uh, in which the margin wasn't quite tight enough for it to be an automatic recount. Um, I think uh, 
think Wisconsin is one of the ones his campaign is paying for. There's, there may be others, but that one sticks out to me for some reason. Um, so this this obviously isn't normal. Um, I mean, I, it, to to a degree, we've seen this before, but not quite to this. With the the, I guess I I wouldn't necessarily say that Donald Trump is just denying the results, but that you know on election night he made a pseudo victory speech before there were even enough electoral votes for either candidate to meet the 270 mark um and then we've kind of had this process from then on of you know questioning the the votes that have been tallied uh and you know there's this uh constant stream of information about you know what are we going to accept as legal votes versus illegal votes and and so on so you know all of that in the air um leads to a change in this transition process but as far as transition goes i think we should talk about what that has looked like in the past and then kind of what we think it's going to look like now so you could say if we're just like doing a timeline you have on november 4th you have the election and then for this case it was you know what on saturday and saturday was the seventh or something or the sixth I forget what day. I don't know what day of the week. Yeah, it was. Almost, somewhere in there. Seven. Yeah, it was Saturday, Saturday. And so he is technically on Saturday. He's president-elect. Now, did you say December 15th, they have to, uh, the electors have to cast Four, their 14th, votes? I think, I think. 14th. I think it's 14th, 14th. Okay, 14th. Yeah. And then January 20th, he is sworn in. Biden, that is. Um Right. If things were to hold pulled, I mean, weirder right. things have happened, and it's 2020. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> we got to admit that. I, I kind of wonder, um, and I know that I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I kind of wonder because I don't know that there's actually a precedent for this. So, if the if the president is still pursuing legal action in these states at the time we get to you know the vote of the electoral college, and the electoral college votes and elects Biden as the president. Does that legal action then become kind of void at that point? Because mm. I mean, I it would. because all, it I mean, I, I my guess would be it would then become a question for the Supreme Court. But in my understanding, right, everything we talked about with the Electoral College essentially came to the conclusion that the popular vote doesn't matter all that much, other than you're voting for electors. So if the electors then are the ones who actually vote for the president and their vote goes through and it's, you know, kind of done and done, uh, where does that leave all the question marks that lead up to that? Yeah. Especially sure, if, they, like, if they feel they're cheated. If they feel like this election isn't, maybe those electors could be swayed very easily. Like, oh yeah. In Pennsylvania and Arizona and Wisconsin, I don't, the, the Kate court, the case court, I can't say it right. Uh, court cases are still pending so i'm gonna go with trump i think he got you know they could just say that i i don't know like that's 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 where that that um thing we brought up last episode about how some states have joined like a coalition mm. that they have to vote on based off of the populace vote mm-hmm. yeah now, and, if, and if, i know some have like legal um now it's, you know it's like thousand dollar fines which isn't probably going to be a big dent to many of those electors but uh, I, I think there, in some states, are kind of legal repercussions for not voting along 
essentially I what think, you're I think there has to, to be. Which, <laughs> even if there is, couldn't, like, Trump technically pardon them anyways? If there was, you would have to get in contingent on that, but still. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's I mean, it went all the way up until December for the, the Gore-Bush mm-hmm. pres- like presidential election. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. we're talking about historical, like, what has happened in the past. A lot of candidates have have conceded the night of or the next day, out of out of respect, um, and I think that's the key. There is respect, um, but it's not necessary, nor is it required. So if one or the other party um, deems that something has occurred that is not normal or not in line with um, law or whatever have you. Um, then I guess they have an opportunity or a chance to 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 plead their case, and that's the beauty of being in America. We do all have a opportunity to plead our case. The court can straight up say, "No, we're not going to hear the the case," mm-hmm. and we're seeing that in mm-hmm. some locations in some localities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the it's going to be an interesting thing to play out here in the next next month. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you make a good point. And also, you know, going along with that, you know, this isn't the first time that someone who has lost an election has been upset about that. You know what I mean? So, like, we can go back and look at, like, John Adams purposely left Washington, like, at night to avoid having to sit through Thomas Jefferson's inaugural speech. Like, he wasn't early, super early thrilled carriage about pulled up to the White House in the yeah. early morning, <laughs> in the wee hours of the night. Classic John Adams. Take off. Yeah, Oof. I mean, like... It's not the, uh, you know, and, and that and that that one's ironic too, considering they were uh, frenemies, I guess you, you know, rivals or, or whatever, but but close sure. friends at the same time. Um, but there's another election, um, you know, take that case with, you know, the electoral college not kind of having their stuff together with that Democratic Republican Party and kind of having to essentially buy votes one way or another to get a president because they couldn't they were split on on Aaron Burr and uh, Thomas Jefferson so there was no president for a while with that election either um, and I think Hillary she she conceded before Trump hit 270 if I recall like I mean it was obviously she was going to lose but I think she's just kind of like yeah I'm just going to concede he's going to win type of thing yeah. um, and I mean that, they've been done in different ways like I, I saw um circulating on uh, Twitter it was the uh, the letter from um, uh, from George HW Bush to um, to Bill Clinton uh, you know upon his concession so to speak but it was you know he conceded but then this letter was kind of left in the White House in the Oval Office for him um, kind of explain the awe of the office and that he trusts he'll do a good job and that you know, now he's he is everyone's president, and that was kind of the the sentiment that I thought was important there because there's another example of a of a party turnover. Um, mm-hmm. It's a one term presidency. It's a you know, and, and the Bush family is very well connected politically, and of course, then you'll have his son coming on to be uh, president later. So, you know, that kind of uh, I don't want to I don't want to use the word nobility, but it is it is almost like a noble. Uh, or stepping down with grace. Like Kennedy's. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, John, I think you bring up some some good points here with you know, at least the Trump's camp Trump's 
campaign and they were pretty critical of Fox, right? This the right leaning more conservative um media arm is like how could you you know, how could you declare Biden president almost like you're you're going against Trump and well I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but the the role of the media in declaring a winner that's something that's been criticized on social media um which i'm not sure is really valid but that's something that's out there um and we'll talk about this i think with transition i'm not sure if if y'all kind of saw this when you prepared um but there was this thing called this group called the gsa which is um this this part of the government that makes this decision the kind of green lights the transition or not like do they does this federal group agree with the results of the election um and it's interesting they they haven't made that decision yet they're called the general services administration i'm sure we'll talk about them um but they haven't they haven't come out yet um and obviously the the woman who runs it now is uh emily murphy is a trump appoint, appointee even though the agency is supposed to be apolitical, but you're wondering, okay, well, what's what's the holdup on that as well? Um, but just to kind of bring it back to the Electoral College uh, and, and where the Supreme Court may step in, and Lindbergh, I think you brought up Bush v. Gore or whatever, but you know, every state, it's up to the governor to verify their state's election results. Um, and in doing so they're kind of telling the elect electors kind of what to do um and then they uh should be submitting that i think this year it's by december 14th um it's not an exact date i think we talked about it's the it's a random time period but it's the first monday following the second wednesday in december <laughs> um That's so the full moon too exactly <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah i think bush v gore um they they decided that on uh december 12th or something like that so mm. um to your point john i think there's going to be time for these lawsuits to run through the if they're going to run through the federal courts um there's time they'll get elevated and they'll quickly be heard if there's any issues coming out of the states i think maybe pennsylvania but that being said most of the lawsuits that i've seen so far have been thrown out because whatever evidence that they're trying to submit is mostly hearsay, which mm. on a posted note <laughs> doesn't really work. You should hear the judges and, and they're like, really? That's, that's what you have. You're coming to I court with this. Pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. I think most of it was, or at least a lot of them were based off of either like pictures taken by people out in, in the crowds that were, you know, watching, mm -hmm. Uh, or some of those individuals that had kind of forced their way into the counting rooms to be observers. They're like, oh, well, I saw this. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. supposed to be so many feet away. Were you really seeing that? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's what, like, when um, I messaged you guys earlier that uh, Hannity or Trump, you know, posted or on, on Twitter that Hannity would have some information about the, the stuff, I could get through about 10 minutes worth of of that that segment before um i had to let the dogs out um <laughs> and the clarity on any information is 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 like mud 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and if we had a valid reason, by all means, and I'm, we meaning, I guess the right, the American not, people, not, yeah, the American general. people. I'm not saying me, we, but um, I think that the difference is the fact that you know if you had something, wouldn't you immediately be like, hey, whoa, here it is, and and I think. That's where like a lot of people are like, okay, well, we see these these issues, and I think there is some there's some like grasp at straws kind of idea with some of them because um, one of the things that someone brought up is that well they're require they should require um, people to watch the counting of the ballots, but there wasn't anybody there, and there wasn't anybody there because no one volunteered to do it, hmm. you know and. And I think that's that's part of the, the issue is that not enough American people are involved in the in the election process. Yeah, first first and foremost, like biggest issue, um, when you look at the ballots in in the district that I currently live in and Shank Shank currently lives in, District One in Virginia, seven thousand people did not cast a ballot for anything beyond the presidential election. So nothing for the House or the Senate was casted on their behalf. So, or the House because that was the one that was up um, for uh, Rob Whitman. And you look at it and you go, wait a second. So you're going to cast a ballot for a presidential election, but seven thousand of you go, mm, not worth my time to really worry about the person that's going to make more of a of a difference in what I'm doing. The president mm-hmm. is a strong individual, yeah, leader of the free world, yeah probably one of the highest honors and uh, as a civilian can have in the in the United States offices sure but the amount of work that goes into the effects of an average day person uh, what two percent yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very yeah. minimal and I mean I don't know if it's just a rambling on that that statement that I just had but no but it's it's weird because and I think I shared this with like was it's if there is all this voter fraud, why wouldn't you know? Why wouldn't they vote for like the Democrats, the De- Democrats in the Senate and the House, and just like overtake it completely and easily, right? And why are the margins so small? Like, it just doesn't make sense. If, if these that's, are, if, that's and, the thing that I that I keep bringing up is that we're accepting, or some people are accepting. We meaning American people, sorry, uh, are accepting the results of the house and the Senate race, but not accepting the presidential. And I think that's, that's the problem. And that goes back to 7,000 people. We, we keep seeing 7,000 people not worrying about the next, mm-hmm. the other election. So are 7,000 people randomly showing up to vote that are just voting for president versus not voting for the rest of it? Or, right. and that's, again, that's just our district. Or like Woods has stated in previous times, some people vote because they just don't like the other person. They don't care who the the opposition is. Um, and I think we do see some of that in this election. Um, but more so, seven, I mean, 7,000 people just didn't take the time to flip the, the paper up for, you know, like yeah. it's, it goes to the idea of did you complete the sentences on the, the short answer question? You know, at the did you read the directions? Yeah. Well, and it's one of those situations, too, in my mind, you know, when you're looking at this, the potential election fraud, and that's that's something that I've seen brought up as well. And you guys have have brought up 
uh, several times. It's like, you know, if you're going to rig an election, you rig an election. But here's the thing, like you, you have to approach this with like Occam's razor, right? So like, what is the most simple solution to this problem? Is it that there is this grand conspiracy within the Democratic Party to rig this election, to get rid of Donald Trump, to put in, of all people, Joe Biden um, to be the president? And to do this, they're going to cut the margins so thin as to make it look like they may lose on election night. And then to just kind of suddenly have this comeback victory from the mail-in ballots that they have been saying was going to happen for months. So, you know, that's essentially showing showing your enemy your battle plans ahead of time and then still planning to go ahead with the sneak attack anyway. You know, it doesn't quite fits and instead i think probably what fits a little bit better is that yes you know um democratic voters predominantly or or at least compared to republican voters overwhelmingly voted by mail those ballots were not counted first because they were not permitted to be you had the raw election data coming in from the in-person voting and then as those mail-in votes started to be tallied uh which we knew was going to take time you had that kind of um, push coming from the left that did swing a few states. And that's not something that was, you know, unpredicted. I think, I think uh, if anything, what was unpredicted was the small amount of states that did swing that way. I think that the, I think that the amount of states that went for Donald Trump was not in line with what the polls, uh, not in line with what a lot of people thought was going to happen. So there again, they thought if you're going to rig an election, sweep. rig it the way you think everybody's already expecting it to go. You know, again, again, it just it you're making it harder and harder to defend that claim when it just continues to be more outlandish. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're totally right. I just I can't I'm like I'm looking at because it's the ballot that I had because I did mail-in voting. I'm like, I pulled up my phone. It's not, Lemberg, it's not even a back. It's all on one mm. page. It's mm. literally all on one page. So so mine did have a back only, I think, because I had... Single I had copy two, only. Well, probably. <laughs> um, I had the one that had the watermark on it. Um, mm. uh, no. <laughs> uh, I did a paper. One of, those, one of those legal ballots. Right. Um <laughs> Mine had yeah, some because we can afford a, a piece of paper with a watermark <laughs> on it. Um, I I had a back. I don't know what extra was on mine in my locality because I am in a different locality than you are, Shank. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was. You may have had like a local resolution or something. To... Mm, it was. It was a. It may have been a Virginia delegate that I had to vote for um, for my locality, but I couldn't remember. I couldn't. Can't remember off the top of my head. But I mean, I'm willing to bet, and I haven't done this, and I probably should have, but I'm willing to bet that if you go back to the 2016 election, 2012 election, whatever one you want to go to and look at, I'm willing to bet that you will find that that number is similar, that you're going to have people who voted for president and chose not to vote for congressional representatives um, or their their state and local legislature. I'm just, I'm willing yeah. to stake no, I'd, I'd right now that. That, that that's going to be a similar situation because people just walk in they go well i'm just gonna vote real quick boom 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 done right 
in its name recognition. You know, it's all the things that you learn about that influence voters. Sure. It is. It's you walk in, you only know the names of you know people in one section because the presidential election is what is televised. It's what's yeah. in your face. You maybe know one of the representatives, and then you maybe recognize some of the signs you saw on the way in. Um, but yeah. you know, perhaps you don't feel comfortable casting a ballot. Perhaps you don't care. But I'm willing to bet that that uh, some of it could have even been some of that that influencing, you know, get out and vote. Well, okay, I'll go vote for the president. And then I don't know who all these other people are. Turn it in, done. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, a positive note in Virginia, we did vote the um, a resolution to come forth um, that veterans who served and have been disabled uh, have a property tax that's null and void. Um, they do not have to pay a property tax on their vehicle, which is which is, I thought was really cool how large of a difference there was mm. on a yes and no. It wasn't like a 51 to you know 48 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was very, very like in a positive for our veterans. And, yeah. and you know, speaking of obviously today being the, you know, big old happy birthday to the core mm-hmm. um, and then tomorrow being Veterans Day as we're recording, um, yeah. you know, just straight up shout out to both. Yeah, I seem to remember one of the elections I voted in down in Virginia. There was uh, there was a resolution for it was for um, I think it was the family members of yeah, veterans the, killed in action. Yeah, that, that was, was a couple years ago. Yeah, so I, I do remember that one. I, again, that was another one that passed overwhelmingly. Realistically, it should. That's some. That's yeah. a custom. That's. I mean, the the Macedonians of ancient Greece, like Alexander's men, if they died in battle, their families paid no taxes. Like that was part of the tribute to honor those troops. I didn't know that. I love how you're using the, the awesome. Dan Garland Macedonians instead of Macedonians. I, I, no, I, 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 I mix it up. I mix it up. I mix it up. I think the national parks too just granted a lifetime membership for veterans as well. That's so, good. That's as, good. They as they should. As they should. Yeah, Veter- yeah. Veterans should be getting away more than what they what they get when they come home, man. Absolutely. Like, they more they, they, they the signed out to do something, but yeah. They didn't sit every time for it. Treated mm-hmm. the way they get sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. especially yeah. at the VA. So let's keep let's keep it on the on the the, the historical <laughs> side and look at. <laughs> I know, try to get about us back on <laughs> on subject. Look at look at some of the historical examples of peaceful transfer of power, mm-hmm. right? So this this time period we're in right now, we, we is a obviously we're waiting for the official results still, and with uh, Gujan, what you mentioned with the you know the passing of the torch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, until that group, we just said GSA, right? Mm-hmm. Was the name of it? Yeah, mm-hmm. General Services Administration. Yeah, They're the people, so- the the federal bureaucracy that mm-hmm. kind of helps ease the transition. Between yeah, and, I'm, and I believe that that's, like that's day one, really, after the elections when that's supposed because right. that that involves like your your president elect receiving confidential briefings. Uh, they're supposed to Five get the same resources, kind of like get passed on. Like yeah, here's all the so. here's all the passcodes to get into the information. Yeah, it's I mean they're supposed they're insurance. supposed to get the same daily briefing that the president gets. They're supposed to have access to all the same people. They're supposed to have they're supposed to be given office office space within the White House for their for their people to come in and start to work and just kind mm-hmm. of phase out. Uh, and as of right now, none of that has happened. I was going to ask, is any of that even happening? Because yeah. that's no, because like Gujan said, first of all, the president has to say, okay, you are permitted to He's got to concede. share that information with the president elect. And to do that, yeah, exactly. You're right. He would have to essentially concede at that point. 
that he's not going to be the president for the next four years. I think, um, just to clarify, the GSA is the one who, it's called ascertainment, um, and they're the ones who make that decision. They're supposed to be concession or not, the Mm. GSA is is supposed to be the ones who um, make that determination. So they're Uh, able to do that, like, autonomously? They should be. They should be apolitical, because they just work for the federal government, Mm. ideally. Um, But on a different note, we saw that the president is attempting, I think, through executive order to repeal some of the apolitical nature of some of these federal agencies. But um, Mm. so that's a different topic. But pretty much, yeah, this this person who is there, like as Limbrick was talking about, to uh, and Woods as well, open up funds, open up space. Again, it's like the green light, and they should. They should do that with or without the president, the current president, the lame duck president, um, whether their input is kind of not necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's really not their job. Not their job. Well, that was one of my concerns, and I, I wrote that as a, one of the questions because um, I'm, obviously we're in a time of crisis with COVID. You know, they need to have, I'm sure, I know they're doing plans and so forth, but they need to be able to have this information that the president would have, and now that's going to delay biden's presidency and his first 100 days or 200 days are not going to be nearly as effective because he's not going to get the information like we need as rapid information as we could possibly get not Mm -hmm. 70 days of well like maybe it's this information we don't have it we don't even have an office space um because i mean that's i don't know about you guys i'm pretty sure you're on the same page but i want to get out of this whole COVID thing um (laughs) as quickly as possible i want to get it under control because even today i had a conversation with um the tour consultant for trips to you know australia and spain i'm like if we can get this as america as america in general get this under control i like i'd like to be able to go to these countries because i have a feeling they're gonna say sorry we're not gonna allow you in and i think that's part of that is going to be if biden doesn't have the access to information that he should at this point yeah to your point shank um and i'm you know, pass the torch on to somebody else here in a second. I just shared a, a document in the chat. And if you look on pages like five and six, seven, you can see all of the agencies. Oh, yes. Yeah, what I was looking at earlier, yeah. Article I was reading today, it's like close to 4,000 appointments. It is 4,000 appointments. 1,200 need to be appointed by the Senate, approval from the Senate out of so, those 4,000. That's like the type of administrative work that I'm I'm sure they've been planning for, right? I'm sure they have people in mind or whatever. They have the process. But until you can open up the floodgates for funding and and everything else to start doing it, Mm -hmm. all of this is getting backlogged. And as you said, Shank, we're just right now at a point where weeks matter. I mean everything matters right now day to day so even even the budget's coming up soon like if he doesn't approve the budget then then we're in a we're just stalemate again for just the government being shut down or not shut down so i mean that's that's even another like step beyond just what's going on every year these things occur but during an election year there's just this mountain of of paperwork that needs to get taken care of Mm. There's over a hundred federal agencies, and that's. I'm just wondering too if if Biden is like he already has like his kind of roster up and like everyone that 
you know, as soon as he gets in there, boom, like he doesn't have to spend all those time searching for people. I'm sure they do. Certain mm-hmm. agencies, it's like, hey, yeah. here's the list. You're hired. Let's get to work. Like, I'm sure it's work. not even just Biden. It's it's the well, whole DNC in general. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, the GOP did probably the same thing to Trump. Trump mm-hmm. goes, you know, here, here's a stack of people. These are the people that we need to be pushed into these positions of power. Ben Carson. Yeah. Ben Carson at housing of urban development. Well, and how many uh, well, how many defense well. secretaries? Or what, what number are we on now? Yeah, uh, so, going in more than the Harry Potter series. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, but, yeah, that that I think is probably one of the the hallmarks of the Trump presidency is that of his private life is the "you're fired" aspect of. I mean, ironic. I mm-hmm. you know two years in, I remember the list being already up to like eighteen, twenty, like major agency heads or uh significant figures within the government and you know we're two years further removed from that so i'd hate to see the list now do you think he hires just like you know terrible candidates just just so he can easily fire them (laughs) i would hope not it's like hiring a dog to be i don't think so (laughs) well i would i would hope not but yeah but realistically i mean i don't think that there was anybody he would put in front of the senate that they wouldn't willingly confirm at that point you know, once you've got, got the option of a, a supermajority being gone, they, you know, whoever you want. Well, that could be Airbud's next movie. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> Airbud, <laughs> Secretary of Defense. <laughs> Space Force. Space Force. You're fired. Yeah. Mr. Bud. <laughs> we all, like he would do it in person. That last one was ever That's a tweet. True. He would tweet about it. <laughs> That's I, I remember. I remember about uh, back with Jim Comey. Like Jim Comey was giving a uh, speech. I think he was out in California. I could be wrong about where he was, but out west somewhere, giving a speech. And I get come across mm-hmm. the news ticker that he was fired, and that's how he found out about it. Like yeah, nobody called that. him or told him or. Oh uh, yeah, the terminated. director of the FBI is terminated by news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you finding out you got broken up with your girlfriend on facebook and you, yeah. everyone else does you're like huh her relationship status has changed message. yeah new status update just to do a face-to-face come on good so we kind of moved through uh a lot of what i outlined there because we've talked about the the transition and and what that looks like going through till january um i do remember i, I was reading about this and and i don't think that Again, that kind of goes back to my point about the electors. If if they certify a president, then then I don't know how much of this actually ends up mattering. But uh, we had asked the question, I think, in the last podcast, you know, kind of what happens if we get to January twentieth and Donald Trump just refuses to step down and there's no official determination of the election. Uh, so my understanding is that the president pro tempore of the Senate then takes over uh, the office. Who's that? It's a great question. Because that was one of my questions. What if Trump doesn't uh, concede? Yeah, by January I believe. I believe. I mean, that's what I read. Um, and and it, it that doesn't follow the natural progression because it would. But all right, it does. But it, I'm not sure because you wouldn't obviously have cabinet members at that point. Did you guys ask for the uh, press pro temp? Mm-hmm. Yes, Grassley. That's interesting that that it dips all the way down to the press pro temp. But mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense because the vice president. 
maybe right in conspiracy maybe grassley wants the presidency for himself so he's <laughs> suppressing all these votes and <laughs> you can probably get yourself an article in mainstream it. media at this point with that yeah throw it out there it's like a bad Define truth Yes, that's what we we talked about this earlier this week. Yeah, I have that in the uh, in our. I, in our, I saw I saw that yeah. <laughs> in in the quotations. Yeah, I hope I hope you know him. I'm always the devil's advocate. I think of this group of just. What do you think about this? It, like, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fun talk. if that wasn't the case, though. We'd all just be talking. <laughs> Uh, so we already kind of talked about this too, like Trump's options going forward. We've we've discussed the lawsuits and how a lot of those, as Gujan mentioned, they're just kind of being tossed out. Mm -hmm. um, and even, and I think even those ones that do stick or the recounts that stick. I mean, you're not going to do a recount and find twenty thousand votes. Um, that's just unrealistic. Like they, it's got to be within the, like a one percent right margin. Well, and that's and that's for the forced recount. Your campaign yeah. can pay for a recount. Uh, why oh, okay. I don't know why your campaign would pay for a recount to try and recover, you know, 20, 30, tens of thousands of votes. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, you know, that's your unless, right. That's your right. You're worried to about the, the hanging Chad issue. Yeah. Pregnant Chad's hanging Chad's. <laughs> yeah. All that. All kinds of Chad's. Well, all kinds of Chad's. I, I feel like this is to be like another type of like, not conspiracy, but like a, you'll see probably later on that they'll go and they'll recount the votes and they'll say that they're using campaign money, but it'll come out like later that like, Oh, they were using taxpayer money. Like something like that will come out. It's like, just like one more thing, you know, that will come out. And, and it could very well be the case. Hopefully that's not, but, uh, I've also seen them. They keep bringing up the, um, the electronic voting. That, that's a kind of a through line I've seen on a lot of these is the, you know, the electronic voting machines and the potential for them to have been compromised. But again, we're, we're kind of back to the same situation. One there, you know, your mail-in votes don't really matter because they're done on paper. So argue about your electronic voting all you want, I guess. Um, and then the, the second end of that, you know, how many votes are you finding? All right. You know, like, like, like we talked about this before, every election has some, some percentage of fraud. Uh, some percentage of incorrectly tallied ballots, you know, but it's so minimal in the grand scheme of things, even at the state level, that you're not going to see it swaying. I mean, not even if that election comes down to 500 votes, you're not going to see that many in a single state that is, you know, throwing it into uh, into chaos. So, and I think, like Lembrick had said, you're kind of grasping at straws at this point. I'm gonna pose a, a random like thought about the about the election processes. What what is your thought about there's being a sworn to, to secrecy, if you will, if votes come in, only the voting elected committee knows the numbers, and when they're all finished and tallied, then then media has access to that to give to the American people. So we delay our process for a couple days, but the process would be delayed enough that we wouldn't see this outcry of randomness from social media, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, or even just media in general that has, well, here's, here's what's all happening. And like, we found mm -hmm. 2 million votes overnight. Well, we found 2 million of votes because we counted 2 million votes, you know? Um, but a delay in process, I don't know. And that's just a random thought that I kind of, kind of thought of right just now. I have uh, I have two takes, but I'll let someone else go if they want to. Go ahead, Woods. Right, so, <laughs> was like, nah. So, so first, I, I think that the idea of keeping it secret would last about 27 seconds. 
um, because that's well. about how <laughs> you know, our 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 government's level of secrecy, probably to our benefit, is that of a sieve. Uh, so it's only a matter of time till it comes pouring out. I mean, so anything, man. So, but, but I mean, for a lot of things, you know, sure. I mean, the, the White House tends to, to leak quite a bit. And so then if you imagine 50 states attempting to do this, that maybe you'll so, get so some probability and possibility. Out okay. The window so, so, yeah. So let's, let's set it within a perfect scenario where that yeah. that is the case. Um, yeah. So then my my other concern, which I, and I agree, I think it would definitely make that process less stressful. Also, it would give uh, the media less to scream about for a couple of days, which would be fine by me. I think then. Yeah, well, that's fair. Well, he'd still have his time when they're all coming in at, at once. He'd be really on that's inaction true. then. Um, but I think. I think then, you know, you're taking this very public act, this very democratic act, and then you're kind of uh, shrouding it in an element of secrecy that I would find unsettling because then while even even though, you know, you can add the ultimate that it's going to be done with fidelity and there's going to be, you know, uh, securities in place to ensure that that happens, it isn't happening in live action real time for people to yeah. watch so then when you do wake up and all of a sudden not just two million votes have appeared but all of the votes have appeared um because they have all been counted but again i, I think you would see perhaps even more outcry in that case so i guess the the reason why i bring up that idea is that there are some precincts that have not fully you know reported their information you know, and and I think that that's that's pulling towards some people who, obviously, on the quote losing side, no matter who it is, and it has and it has been like this for for a few elections, for at least since I've been paying attention. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's be real here, guys. Like we didn't pay attention to a lot of the stuff when we were in high school. Uh, I did since I was six. Okay. <laughs> okay. Six. Okay. Seventy years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the 2000 election solely because of it being contested, but I did not sit around and watch it. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, there's a new, obviously there's a new group of people every election looking at this stuff. And I mean, yeah, you don't know that 89% are, are reported. So the AP is going to go, well, yeah, based on our numbers, we're going to go ahead and call it for this per, you know, person for, you know, Pennsylvania or New New uh, New York or whatever have you, and when they do that, people obviously flip. They're like, "What? You're gonna call it?" And there's only eighty nine percent that have have committed to to giving out the votes. I think that that's where like some of the things that I've seen people mm -hmm. post are are confused about it, and rightfully so. It is a confusing process. It is a math problem. It's not just a math problem. It's like a like I mean, it's trigonometry it's, shit. Well, it's that, a you take the how many votes are accounted for. So if there's five million votes in, and eighty percent of the electorate have voted, well, then you have X number of votes still out there. Is that enough to make the difference? If it's not, call the election. Right, but do we have a? I mean, we yes, we are required to to report the fact that we are a member of a group so registered voters not registered voters in mm -hmm. some states you can register the day of um which is different than you know for virginia like you have to register register mm -hmm. 22 days prior um I, I just think that that that's that does put a lot of variables into the equation 
I think too, I was like recalling, you know, the 2016 election and what you were saying was, I think there's like a knee jerk reaction because um, for me, it's always like, Oh, there's still a chance left. And whenever they were like calling States for, for Trump, I'm like, what are they doing? They're still like 5% left. That'll, there's still a chance. And like, then I'm like, yeah. I think I sat down and like, I thought about, I was like, okay, no. And like you said, it's, it is a math problem, but I think a lot of people, they just hone in on that, that emotion mm -hmm. and they just latch onto it and they will defend that. Like it's fact, like that you're calling it, you know, at this yeah, point. Because I think that there are some things that like either side of the aisle, by all means, stand for or, and that's one of the main reasons why someone doesn't vote for that person. And that reason alone can affect somebody financially, medically, economically. I mean, like all the, all the things personally they can be mm -hmm. affected by, you know, and, and when that happens, that's kind of scary for some people, mm -hmm. you know, cause if someone stands for something that they could take away what you think is a human right or a basic need and necessity, you, you, we gotta admit that that's, that's scary. For some people, the, f well, the fear factor yeah. of it is, the fear factor. is when is I was huge. I was probably being a bit reductive with uh, it's just a math problem. But in but in you know when you and I and I do I do understand that sentiment. Um, you know that there's still, and I think this election probably hit that more than others because typically, you know, if you're if you're seventy to eighty percent reported, the next twenty percent is going to continue to be a relatively even distribution of what you've already seen. Where in the case of this election, that last twenty percent that's coming in are the mail-in votes that were going overwhelmingly to the Democratic Party. So it does almost seem staged in a way as it's being reported. So. You know, again, I was, yeah, that was probably far right people pedantic, have, but have played into that when they reported. Mm, right. Oh, well, and, and I think, look at it. you know, for how many weeks leading up to that was that the the concern of the president? I mean, you take this back several months to, sure. you know, eliminating elements of the post office and, and an almost almost patently obvious ploy, you know, at this point that that was going to be related to the voter fraud has been a Voter fraud has been an, an idea that not every, both sides of the aisle have thought is a problem for mm -hmm. a long time. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up learning and thinking about voter fraud and how it would be just, why doesn't everyone just get an ID? Everyone should have an idea. They have to go buy, you know, if you're 18, you got to go buy cigarettes. If you're 21, you got to go buy beer. You have an ID, you have to get that, but you're not willing to get an ID to vote. You well, know, I, I think John Oliver made the made the argument on that that you know you you have a number of people that don't necessarily fit neatly into that category. You know, sure, no, no, I I agree. I'm just saying oh no, that. yeah, no, I I was just kind of spinning off of what you were saying. I yeah. I know I know where you were going. Yeah. I jumped ahead of you and no, so no, you're I good. Probably no, apologize fine. for that. But you know, you you have your individuals because I had the same conversation with somebody who was making making that point um, in in earnest, but. Uh, you know, your your individuals who have maybe lost their driver's license, you know, they, they had it taken or suspended. Sure. And so they don't have it on them, but they are still legally allowed to vote. Um, you have individuals who never acquired one and never needed to. Um, your homeless population, of all the people who probably need the government to change the most, they probably would rank up there among them. 
and yet maybe they do not have um, right. identification. Same would go for those individuals on reservations. How many and, of them don't have identification, government identification, just for the fact that this is something the that the government is going to give me? Okay. Yeah, um, last time but, that they put an inch off my blanket at the bottom, put it at the top, and tell me I had a longer blanket. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And those are, but, but the, again, that's another group that probably needs to be invested right. in the election process more than, more than most, um, because they have the most at stake. So, you know, that's, that's, and of course, you know, you make those points to anybody that's, that's holding the, the opposing side and they're willing to concede that, but still at the end of the day, you know, well, why can't we just print people out cards? Why can't we just, you know, it, it's always a, why can't we just simplify this more? Um, you know, right. give us all chips, stick one in my wrist and I'll just scan it when I go in. Uh, you know, I mean, you can, you can make it as, as close. simple as you want and it's still going to be, Viva. Still going to be impossible <laughs> for that to work for everyone. Yeah. You got, I mean, voter fraud on one hand, but then you have voter suppression on the mm. other. And I think that's what um, Republicans will put their hats on voter fraud. Um, but then Democrats are not so concerned about that, but they're probably more concerned about gerrymandering. Um, uh, that's and, a podcast all its own. Yeah. And its mm. own um, strategies to suppress votes. And then there's a story tradition in American history of, of making sure that only certain people can cast votes. Um, and obviously it's not so obvious in 2020 as it was in the 1800s or mm. even the 1900s. Um, but that's, yeah, that's its own conversation to consider as well. I mean, which is more of a threat to the democratic voting process, voter fraud or voter suppression. I mean, that's I don't know, mm. a conversation to have at a, at a different time, but um, that's I have, I have part of the students. excitement of this election too was the amount of people that did come out and vote. You know, we, you know, and that's, I mean, that's more votes were casted for Biden than were for Barack Obama, and that in itself speaks testament because mm -hmm. I remember I remember when when Obama declared that he was going to run, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, an opportunity to get our first African American president into office," and that spiked the the registration yeah. alone not even just people showing up just this registration alone so yeah. then you see that people came out in droves for biden for some people on the right that was scary mm. it was like wait a second did we make a mistake by accepting the fact that our candidate was going to be the incumbent and we didn't put anybody else up I think also too, like I think we're kind of forgetting that it's it's not really just Biden. Like Kamala Harris is, oh, well, yeah, and, yeah, with her, I mean, she checks about every box you could think of, right? You know, first female vice president, first African -Amer American, and then she has Indian. She's like South mm -hmm. Asian, right? I think mm -hmm. well, South Asian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, she checks all these boxes. And I think that's another thing too that probably sparked a lot of people to, like you said in uh, Obama's first election, to, well, let's register and, and let's go out and vote. So, right. I mean, he made a, a wise choice. I'm sure he had a lot of you know, yeah. suggestion for that, but that definitely helped him. Mm -hmm. uh, Sleepy Joe. Well, and just to add on Somebody to that just give him his uh, warm milk at night, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know. Before Woods, you hop in here, but um, you know, another hero that came out of, for Democrats at least, was Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and 
we don't know the results yet of of that and they're having a runoff for those two senate seats but um you know just one of those moments she loses the her own election but then she becomes more motivated than ever um to get the people of georgia out and voting um but you know the voting process voter fraud voter suppression is, is certainly different um than how politicians or individuals run for office and how they campaign um and you, you could already quickly see you know we had our moment i think where biden wins and, and people are excited <laughs> but then it, it's the democratic party back to usual where they're just fighting with each other about mm-hmm. are we progressive are we middle should we be progressive um, yeah, i mean there's there's that constant especially civil war, you know, yeah. it's, it's you're 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 looking at you're looking at a potential win and still blaming one another for why weren't there more votes you know yeah. why didn't we win by the house seats yeah. Let, yeah let's pause and talk about though that the fact that i'm not so sure i've i've seen slash <clears throat> read about any time that a president won and there was been a celebration like there was over the weekend <laughs> like there wasn't just that a celebration that the candidate won it was a celebration that the other candidate lost yeah i yeah, think the last time that point. there was something similar to that was like toppling statues in uh, eastern bloc countries you know like well, that's the that's the <laughs> well it's celebrated in other countries too it's all around the world it wasn't just yeah. the u.s like that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm getting. Although, at, to be fair, like the, the to be fair. fireworks in uh, <laughs> the fireworks going on in London probably wasn't for the president. That was Those November eighth, and it was, they're, they're shooting off fireworks on November eighth, and they're like, "Oh, they're doing it for us." Now they kind of have their own thing that day. That's actually, so, so. That's such an American thing to do, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's like, oh look, they're celebrating for us. Well, and I mm. and I think it was probably because I think I think the uh, city con the the mayor of London had uh, congratulated Biden on a win like the same day, and then mm-hmm. yeah, fireworks. Oh yay! It's, no, they have a they have a thing. <laughs> There's a movie about it. <laughs> Americans get watched. Americans get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> but you're 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 exactly right. I mean, celebrations worldwide. Yeah, uh, sorry. So I just I mean that was something that I mean I was looking at this weekend and you guys have got me back into looking at Twitter on a regular basis too, mm-hmm. which is it's awful for my, my eyes. But <laughs> I was in uh, Philly and it was as soon as it happened and like the news broke, it was like my sister and I saw on the TV. We're like, "That's not real, is it?" And like, I'm like, "I think it is." Like, that has to be wrong. And we checked like multiple networks. And we're like, "I guess it is." And then we start hearing like Philly kind of erupt and just people beeping their horns. And hmm. it was like, um, I made the joke that it was a, uh, uh, it was everyone's like beeping their horn. I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, Beats by Baden," you know. And I was like, <laughs> you know, people were beep 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 beep. It's like, wow, this is crazy. And people yeah, like, I mean, it, it for Pittsburgh area, it reminded me of when the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Like it was that I level of big, okay. <laughs> okay. maybe when they won it like it happens like all know, the time six like, times. Like, so, <laughs> it's no yeah. it's no longer as fun. So um, our last uh, well we actually we didn't talk about this this concept of the lame duck presidency. Um, yeah. That was something that we haven't uh, haven't really touched on. I think it was mentioned earlier. Um, so let's let's leave with what precisely is this? Why do we call it a lame duck period? Well, it's a president that. Um doesn't get reelected uh so their time period between november 4th and january 20th i guess the time period would have been longer and uh if it wasn't for the 20th amendment by the way as well which we didn't really Mm. talk about but back in 
before that amendment was passed, the new president wouldn't take office till March. March. Mm-hmm. So there's this tendency where you have a, and I guess in normal times where there's a president that would concede and start to transition um, power, uh, that they're kind of in this position of uh, in office, but without much to do, you know? <laughs> so kind yeah. of their so business as usual. <laughs> and I, and I oh, think historically terminate everyone. Period, <laughs> we've seen it be a period where, yeah, like you said, the president really hasn't done much because they are starting to hand over a lot of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of, you know, and we're still very early into this, but as of right now, we don't have that same passing of the torch. So, and like we, we were kind of joking about in the beginning, but after, you know, the election is, I, I would not say settled. I don't think it's fair to say that at this point, but, but it's, it's very heavily leaning in the direction that, that, uh, that it will be settled in time. And you've got a president who's uh, sacking members of, ex- of his cabinet, um, mm-hmm. which is yeah. you know, not that's something. Fear. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do we, uh, it, uh, as a, uh, I joke, like, is the boy king throwing a tantrum at this point and just uh, breaking well, what's the, all what's the, the toys? He just doesn't like just leave the White House empty like I did for my my house, my new house, <laughs> <laughs> em- empty it and leave only the nails up on the wall, like. Uh, this this time period, if I mean, I don't think he's gonna just leave, but yeah. uh, this this time period, yeah, is is an opportunity, and some people are fearful not not just for him. Don't don't get don't get that twisted, but for any president that is not re won, this time period of let me just sign a bunch of executive orders. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's that opportunity, you know. You've executive got, orders can be a podcast all around too because there's mm-hmm, a lot right. to talk about there what that is which is the hardest thing for 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 me personally to teach about uh because of the concept that i i personally am i mean it's, it's the a, hardest thing about democ about our democracy to choke down that that these that yeah, they exist well, we the, it, yeah you're right we can do yeah. another two hours on that one <laughs> but, that but would, seriously yeah, like, like there's just there's this opportunity for somebody on the way out to make a huge dent in something. Um, and I think the opposition is fearful of that to, to occur. Um, COVID obviously has a huge impact on that as well. I mean, if we got a president that, that doesn't think that COVID is as serious as um, I think it might be, but uh, at the same time, like he's going to lead us through the darkest point that we know COVID's going to be like March when it hit, not as, not as serious. Um, you know, the summer we thought it was going to be really bad. It was pretty bad, but it's ramping up again. Maryland just decided they're going back to virtual schools this morning. All of, all of Maryland. Uh, pretty sure. Um, the, the, the governor Hogan, I think decided as well, going back to 25% capacities. Um, I mean, I'm talking like we're we're looking at at, a, at an incline that is so fast because of the weather that that's going to be an issue, and I think that that's that's also on the fear. So the lame duck idea is that does he just sit there and let just sh- shit hit the fan, yeah. or as it burns, you know, or does he uh, roast marshmallows and watch it burn, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I should say um, it's not just a failed re-election, but um, 
you know, you could be a, a two-term president mm-hmm. too, and just in the last year of your presidency, kind of yeah. start shooting from the hip a little bit. But, yeah, I think that was one of the accusations leveled against Obama too. A lot mm-hmm. was, especially as it related to his foreign policy, which is something that I've always criticized. But but yeah, I mean, you get to that uh, that last year of a you know, of a two term president, and you're just kind of uh, yeah riding it out at that point. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a like a ten year person that's about to retire in five years. They're just kind of coasting to the end, you know. And so this right. is a, a kind of a, a tangent. It's a related tangent, but it's it's uh, off. I just I and I don't know that I have an answer to it. So I, I kind of want to, I'm interested to see where you guys land on this. So um, the, the, this was posed in the media and I, and I if I, I couldn't recall where, but I, but I saw that um, talking about cabinet positions for, for Biden's presidency and one had, uh, had brought up, you know, maybe, maybe Obama should be made secretary of state, let him go around and do his kind of a apology tour again. Which, which I, I, of course, don't think is actually going to happen. But then I also had to think about legally, because that is a, a position in the government that could potentially, in, in the worst sort of catastrophe, have to assume the presidency. And given that the president can only serve a maximum of two terms or 10 years, right? Because if you had to assume office in the middle of the presidency, you're granted that 10 year window, he wouldn't be able to carry out the duties of that office uh if if necessary so is that a situation where you could appoint that person to that position and he'd sort of be passed over for the presidency if it came down to that or uh is that you know kind of make him uh ineligible that's a good i don't know what the law is but i would feel like that you could just pass him over and just go to the, the next person next up at the bat essentially and I, and I would think the only danger of that is you know you got a uh uh and i'm um, spacing the designated survivor sort of situation where you know, some mass atrocity happens and he's the only one to take office which god forbid anything like that would ever happen but um you know in in setting up a perfect the perfect conditions for this nightmare scenario um you know faced with and then again in that situation are you really worried about the legality of it make a law afterwards right but uh yeah pass it pass an amendment with uh senator better Warren. to ask for forgiveness <laughs> than ask for permission at that point yeah so i mean yeah of course in a, in a situation like that somebody has to lead um but i i kind of wonder you know just introspectively thinking about the legality of it and kind of questioning my own opinions on that i would i would lean more toward the side of that that would not be a position that they would be um, qualified to hold at this point, you know, you could appoint them as as a non chain of succession uh, individual, but I wouldn't think it would be the same in my mind as you know appointing them vice president. You know, you're assuming they'll never have to hold the office of president, but they could, and so it. We don't ever think about that because that's something that's thank God has never happened. Hmm. I mean, the furthest we've gone is the vice president, right? Although you know, Lincoln like, was a close, Lincoln was close. Uh, tried to cut off everybody there. Yeah. There was a there was a president, vice president, secretary of state. It's definitely think, those three. I think there was three. I can't remember. But yeah. What are you talking about? The so Lincoln's assassination. They also attempted to assassinate the vice president and the secretary of state. The same, the same night. Time. Yeah. 
I did not know or that. the same same window of time. I think the uh, I don't remember it now, and, and I'm, I'm I really am spacing on which one it was. But I know one went through with the attempt and was unsuccessful, and one chose to not go through with the attempt, and I think may have turned himself in um, in that conspiracy. Hmm. Now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look because I uh, feel like I should know. Um, back to your original point, Woods, though, with the 22nd Amendment. Um, it just speaks to people that are elected to the office. So, okay. Although the um, Succession Amendment is also kind of uh, arguably un- unconstitutional as well. So, uh, I'd be interested to see, and I hope that never happens. Honestly. Right. Right. But in terms of a legal hypothetical, I guess it's interesting. Um, but it, it speaks to elected or people who held office as president. So I don't see why that's. I don't. I don't know. I guess it could happen because you're just like in there and you're you're serving out the remainder of somebody else's term, I suppose. Um, yeah. So, according to the, this text of the Constitution, but. Right for interpretation, I guess, if we ever get to that point. But so, so let me go back and, and make my correction on the the Lincoln diatribe that I went through there. So, so it was uh, it was the Secretary of State that was the one that was attacked, uh, uh, William H. Seward. Um, he was he ended up suffering. He was he was in bed basically, uh, bed rest for a previous accident, and he was the one that was. Uh, was cut up with the uh, knife following the assassination. And the individual that was supposed to assassinate um, uh, Vice President Johnson backed out of the uh, plot at the last minute. Hmm. Interesting. Yikes. I there was a plot to do a couple at the same time because of National Treasure, but, you know. <laughs> so I think that, that kind of leaves us with... Uh, almost where we started there talking about social media. Um, and I don't, I don't know that this is the podcast to decide truth. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's something that we, uh, that we table, but, but definitely, you know, social media has become uh, more inflammatory in the last week than it had been in the couple of weeks leading up to the election. Um, and I just did a quick count. So my number could be, could be off. Um, either way so give this a plus or minus of maybe five um so i i counted uh as of uh what i have here 6 40 p.m today that uh there were 43 tweets flagged by twitter uh that came from donald trump these were his tweets not just uh uh re uh not just you know quote tweeting maybe sharing a video or, or something like that so 43 they were flagged by Twitter as potentially providing or sharing uh, misinformation. Mm. So um, that, and again, that doesn't include ones that maybe had not been um, looked at or scrutinized. And that didn't include a lot that I saw that were coming from media sources that I would consider questionable um, among them. Ones like Breitbart, um, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily a valid source of information, but uh, but that's a lot, and so that gets into the question of what is the you know what is the role of uh, the social media platforms in kind of um, 
mediating this process um, because they like it or not, they kind of have become the arena in which a lot of this is being fought. So where do we land on that? Well, you know, for me, um, this goes back to kind of John's point where we kind of talk about what if the electoral college, um, through court cases or protests or whatever um, doesn't make a, a conclusion by December 14th, right? So, like, you know, the longer we can keep these theories alive, and I say we, but the president, um, where individuals in these states feel like they're, there's fraud and the vote wasn't counted correctly. <laughs> It, it gives these state legislators who select the electors um, this plausible deniability, this, this opportunity to say, um, well, maybe the election was a fraud and maybe it wasn't correctly done. And we're starting to see GOP individuals be more confident with saying that publicly, mm -hmm. um, especially on social media platforms. Um, so that just raises the level of doubt and there's there's a loophole there's a, an opportunity for Trump to empower state legislators to select the electors um, again we talked about this in the last podcast people are voting hoping that their electors that they select will faithfully do their jobs um, but there's nothing that stops a state legislative body from selecting their own le uh, uh, electors um, in which your governor may agree and certify it or may not. And if that's not done by December 8th, I think it is, it's like you have a, like a six-day safe harbor um, provision, um, then they can't count cast their votes on the 14th and then this we're we're back in this massive tailspin of well, what do we do now and all of this could just be fueled like you said woods uh the speculative nature of social media what's fact what's happening what's real all these allegations you know all these uh articles about fraud and everything and if if you have these gop controlled state legislators and they represent their people, um, then they're incentivized to keep the doubt alive as long mm -hmm. as they can and, and and play it out all the way until January if they have to. Um, so that's that's the biggest uh, issue for me is, you know, the, the more doubt there is, the, the longer this all gets delayed. And now we're just ramping up the likelihood that something happens that the people the american people didn't vote for that mm. didn't intend to happen so um yeah that's where i'm most what, is that, what does that outrage look like you know if on the democratic side if um, they somehow trump i'll say weasels his way but he gets this presidency or he's still in office after january 20th whether it's still in litigation or whatnot what's the outcry afterwards you know, yeah. what does that look like? I mean, we, we know on January 20th, like his term ends. So it, it's going to boil down to Congress or like a contingent election um, and how that plays out where we can't get electors uh, to get to 270, right? I mean, 
what we know from the news cycle uh, is that Biden on paper is uh, well beyond the 270, but that's that's presupposing that the electors mm-hmm. are going to go do what they're supposed to be doing on December 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in some of those states that uh, that are Republican-controlled states that he managed to eke out a victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, as you said, and as we've discussed before, those electors are appointed by that state government, uh, or that that uh, state party. Um, so, you know, in all likelihood, uh, they are individuals who may disagree with that decision. Uh, the decision of their, I don't know if you'd call them constituents, but those that they're responsible for representing. Um, and so, yeah, do we have a uh, an exodus of faithless electors? And if you have that in enough key states, and now neither candidate can get to 270, and now we're now we're playing out the contingent election process, which is in our constitution, that's there. I mean, is our country, John? You said this. Are, are we ready for this level of a constitutional crisis? I I, I don't know. I don't think that's too far fetched. So. Um, I don't think our country's there for that. No, we're I don't think we are. We're we are. Fragile. We are a very fragile country. Um, yeah, democracy is fragile right now. I th- I think the biggest thing that is a potential outcry is there's two different sides of the coin on if we were to go and fight two different sides like a civil war in the United States because that's what this could this would, the outcome could be heaven forbid that it gets to that point but you've got a a mass of people who believe and I'm going to sound very redneck by saying are very armed versus a group of people that don't believe guns should have any place in society. And at the end of the day, you're like, who are you guys going to fight and what are you going to fight with? You know, and that's that's hard to, to kind of look at. You're like, there's going to be some some people going to fight that are going to be pretty, pretty ugly if this is what the Constitution comes down to a constitutional crisis. And I think that that's that that can be scary for some people and i think it should be i i don't know it's 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 interesting to say the least what i think if, it's you know sorry i think it's no, like no, kind of ahead. ironic with the biden win um and i, I put in a quotation marks i don't know if i really should do that because i really feel like he won um but it almost felt like you know it was a win for the institutions too that like you know state governments are playing it out um, they're working through the court system. Okay, these lawsuits are being thrown out because they're mostly frivolous. There's no plausibility. There's no evidence. Um, so you're like, okay, it's kind of a win. And if you think of Biden too as the kind of institutional candidate, you're like, this is kind of a, a, a big win for the institution. Um, but then you're reminded quickly of how delusional some people are when when they lose of how this is such like it's such a it's happened kind of in our history in the u.s but not really no no one's been to this level of, of trumpism i don't think i've ever really i'm not a a presidential historian but it's like there's always a little bit of doubt now you can't you can never like you can never like it's never it's in the bag and you're just like yeah. wondering if these institutions that we have in place are really gonna really gonna stand um, I, stand I through that, it all. That's what you're that's, most nervous that's about. That's crazy. 
And so I um oh I'm sorry, go ahead, Lumber. Just out of just to, to play the the question, do we do we think that the while we see a um a celebration from the left on a win and we mm. we don't really see um an outright violent cry from the right yet um do we believe that if they were to flip and let's say that on you know the fourth the election were to have flipped and trump would have won over biden do i think that because of an institutional fail like like what you were saying gujan we would not be in the situation we're in right now I think that the 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 ones who are on the left would have outcried and been very violent on on a possibility. I'm not saying that liberals are violent. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that that people who thought that the institution was there to help them failed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the potential that that a lot of people are at right now. They're like I'm trusting that the institution of what democracy is and what democracy stands for, and it's failing me. And mm. that's the that's a fall of an empire. And look what's going on. I mean, I I said it a few years ago, and Shank can attest to it. I've said it for probably a while. We are watching the fall of an empire. It's going to take the- a very very strong individual to to get us back together. Um, we are too large we are too too separate and the device that's separating us is social media it is the media in general um across the very far left across the very far right across the middle i mean there's a there's a split in our nation and it is troubling to see um and it's hard to hard to to determine again what is true and what is not true and that's that goes into possibly another podcast too of just what what do we do in this situation when the institution is failing its people i think that one of the things you you have to consider and and i don't i don't think that you're wrong that you would see this outcry and potentially violent outcry from the left at it had it gone the other way and probably the same scenario if it if it does happen to flip at this stage but I think that you also aren't operating under the same uh, premise there. Like the, the left has not had this election set up for them under the conditions that if I win, it's fair. And if I lose, it's rigged, which the right has, because that's, that's been the rhetoric of the president. You know, it's essentially been that, you know, if, if, you know, the only way that I will, that I will lose is if we count all the votes was quite literally a statement that was made, you know, and that's unsettling. Um, But the other thing that I I stuck in the chat, (laughs) um, so I stuck this in our chat and I'll I'll, uh, make sure to include this with the the notes. So I, I had heard about this today and, and um, hadn't, I obviously haven't had a chance to read the entire document, but this is from, uh, the the OSCE, which is the Organization for the Security of, um, I think it is, and Cooperation in Europe, uh, and this branch of them, the uh, the IEOM, the International Election Observation Mission, uh, basically their job is to go around the world to 
to nations that have very unstable governments and oversee that the elections are done fairly. Um, and they were present for our election, which tells you something. Um, but the conclusion that they came to, I think, kind of sums up a lot of what we've been talking about. So they, I'll just read it for the sake of our listeners. But it says, uh, um, during election night, the two main presidential candidates gave opposing messages about the outcome of the presidential election. Despite the fact that the results of the election were still inconclusive, the incumbent president again questioned the integrity of the process and declared victory. Counting and tabulation are ongoing and should continue in accordance with the law and OSCE uh, commitments. Baseless allegations of systematic deficiencies, notably by the incumbent president, including on election night, harm public trust in democratic institutions. And I mean, that is that is exactly the the summary of this conversation that we've had here tonight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and the document itself, I, 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 you know, looking at the footnotes, and and it seems very thorough. They, they, uh, they give you links to tweets and uh, that kind of fit into their, their narrative. But yeah, so I, I, when I first heard about that, that you know, this international election oversight that is typically seen in countries that have unstable democracies was present for ours and whether they have been for every election or not i don't know um again i'm kind of going on the same line as many others that i'm i'm getting a lot of my information fresh out of the gate from the the media uh, as it is now yeah well you saw that narrative play out too of like the um interviews that they did in pennsylvania at the convention center time and time again this is how we've always done elections we've always mm. the military vote mail-in absentee vote we've always done it this way so it's like this heightened mm. but what as you pointed out like we were almost like prepped mm. no matter the outcome trump mm. told us like what he was going to do it's like if he wins he wins if he loses it's fraud did the same thing mm. in 2016 back uh, against Clinton, the same exact line. You can go look that up on YouTube. So it's like you're immediately like, you already know, like you, you could win, you can win by a lot, but the first thing he's gonna do is, is go back to the playbook, which is cast doubt on everything. Everything is a conspiracy. Nothing nothing could be true. What's real, what's fact, da, 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 da. Right. Um, And that's something where you hope that these institutions that are in place to get get you to justice where there is some truth out there somewhere um that they just that they hold as they were designed mm. to hold and that's what he's going to test everything i think that's, if anything the trump presidency has <laughs> really showed me that like the libertarian mm. side of my my political <laughs> view is coming out and going wow you know i mean i knew that the president mm. had a lot of power that maybe they don't necessarily need but to see exactly when and and it's in its potentially worst incarnation of a temper tantrum for two months we may very well see just how much frighteningly much power that we have vested in a single individual uh, that is, and you know, the the executive orders, as we've mentioned, and we'll probably do a podcast on. That's a that's a prime example of an action that the president can take with no check, uh, and can do a lot. It's sad to see that there's not been many GOP members step up, and I wonder if it's out of fear, 
Yeah, Mitt Romney is the one that comes to mind, but I, I think there were two or three. I think Mitt Romney had congratulated yeah. Biden on his win. Even uh, even former President George Bush did. Hmm. He's like, congratulations, you've you've won a fair fight. And and his dad was, but his dad was like that too. And that and that's what I keep in my back of my mind. We've we fought hard. He fought harder. Like that that hmm. idea and like and good old good old George. Or W, excuse me. W. W. Good old W was just like, you know what? I lost, you know? Mm-hmm. So be it. But at the end of the day, we're going to try and make sure that the that whatever happens is good for everybody. And as, as, a, as a semi-conservative individual, uh, it's time for, for the conservative group and the GOP to look at Trump and say, you know what, you're wrong for saying the things you've said. And we do not support the, the mentality that you've given since the election day. I know several people that have looked at what he has said from from the election point, like what is it, two o'clock in the morning when he's tweeted out, stop the vote, stop the vote count. Mm. That's I'm sorry, that goes against the whole entire democracy that we all are fighting for. There are some very, very staunch conservatives that I'm sure are rolling in their graves listening to what he has said. Mm. You know, and, and that's that's not okay. Like you know, like I always joke about the idea that this is what we get. These two people is what the clowns that we got to, to try and run our country. But we literally have a, a two, two guys that, that are completely running a different type of ship. Mm. And to a degree, I mean, it's, it's the most recent of a long train of abuses of that. So, I mean, if you rewind four years and look at the things that Donald Trump was saying, you know, the, the day after he took office, I, I think you would find things that, you know, look at and, and the crazy thing about it is it's things that are just absolutely still insane that at this point we have just forgotten because it's been something new every, every week, every day. That's God, just, man. that's just kind of, st- you, you can't take a step back. Like I said, I mean, a year and a half in how many people had been that, that were, you know, his appointees had been fired already. You know, that's not something that we, that we typically would see. And, you know, that list has grown even longer. And, and then of course you, you know, there's the usual, well, he's, he's not a politician. That's what we like about him. He's not a politician. He's a, he's a businessman. Well, I, I thought that that was a great idea. About a failed businessman. <laughs> when he, when he came into power, his first time was like, wow, well, at least it's not another career politician in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that was a nuance of of him. Now, I I will say that I was not a fan of him. I did not cast my vote in favor. But I think that we talked about this, that, that, you know, okay, you made a mistake the first year. It's now year four, buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) stop making those mistakes. I'm pretty sure after year one, if we made a mistake in the classroom, we would have been sitting in someone's office explaining our, our, our actions. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of leaves us on a depressing note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but but realistically, with this conversation, there's not something uh, overly joyous to end up on, other than we still don't know. So <laughs> this is an ongoing uh, conversation. I think we talked yeah. about this. But I just had this question because so I like, I maybe you guys can answer some of these questions that I have. Just kind of like. Hmm. 
go through some of them. What if Biden dies before January 20th? Like, whatever. I mean, he gets COVID. Maybe something happens. And it just Or he's incapable of performing his job in whatever capacity. Do we have any that's, idea what happens? Does it go to Kamala? That's a good question. That would be my intuition, is that if he's... You know, if it's if it's past the point where he's determined to be the president elect, then she is the vice president elect. So if he happens to expire, then she would take over. Would would be my presumption. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I mean, I don't want to say it, but like, I mean, he, him, and Trump are really old. But Biden, I mean, he seems pretty. I know he was kind of jogging out there. I saw that. You know, well, viral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more. Uh, he viral, just tripped and he death. just had a had to keep on running so he didn't fall down. <laughs> no, more, yeah, no, he's dry. A few less cheeseburgers. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I've ever seen Trump run. I've just seen him casually and cautiously walk down some. Did ramp. I see that he was he was out out golfing this past week as well? Yeah, Dude, Trump. Trump. Yeah, that's all yeah. he was doing the couple yeah. days after the election, he was out golfing. Like this is just. I mean, it's it's almost like it was a joke to him. Can we can we subpoena his golf scores? Because I would be impressed to see how much he's improved. He has to. Uh, like, he has they're to not real. From... They're not going to be real. Like <laughs> he cheats. Like it's yeah. known that he cheats under par those. every time. Doesn't matter the course. I I get an automatic eight every time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Some other questions that I I had. Uh, William Barr. Mm. Um, I feel like, and I've I've seen too that he's kind of trying to extend the executive power um, as much as he can, and he's been in, um, well, not not consistently been in, but he was in, I think, during W. Bush or maybe maybe no, um, senior, I think he was in there, and he has been kind of making moves to kind of extend the executive power, and. Him and Pompeo, anytime they're kind of asked about it, about this election and the fraudulent, they're like, yeah. I mean, was I sent you that video with Pompeo? Oh, that was crazy, Joe. Where he's just like, yeah, he will be until 2024. Like, he will be running his second term. It's like, what? Like, what? Or is is everyone just... Going off the secret where you just will something into existence. That's what I feel like it is. They're just going to keep saying it until people are just like, I guess he is our president. And it's just like, we're just... I don't know, nullifying that. Barely um, inconvenience. Yeah. What about Biden's campaign staff? Do they transition into a role into his um, office, or are they just basically like... Some can. Traditionally, I wouldn't have really thought so, but, uh, but I mean, Trump's campaign advisor, uh, was that Kellyanne Conway? I mean, she was very involved in... The presidency, uh, whether I don't know in what type of advisor capacity she really actually held, but um, I mean, the president definitely has the right to appoint. Um, it's not even really a, a point, but but create the positions of you know advisors to the president. So I guess if they felt so inclined, they could. Yeah. But then again, if it's a one, if it's your first term as president, you probably want to retain some campaign staff because if your intention is to run again you don't want to have to you know start the job hunt process all also i feel like kind of reward them too if they're capable of doing a certain mm-hmm. job inside of that um, well that's yeah. like the reward for individuals who stump so you saw like uh, who's the guy Buttigieg, you know mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. constantly taking the tough calls with Fox News, you know. So an ind- an individual who's no longer the the mayor of anything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he's a a person that doesn't have much going on right now, but has the time to stump mm-hmm. and and get on the the tougher platforms and and the name. His name's out there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so, it's kind of similar to Andrew Yang in that you know yeah, he's mm-hmm. got his uh, Yang Speaks podcast and he's still very, mm-hmm. very much involved at least uh, with various interviews and he's you know again Fox News and CNN and yeah I think Susan Rice too I mean you know so Shank I guess it kind of depends on what what the opening is what are you talking about are you talking about like a secretary of a department well that's obviously one conversation. Um, it's a cabinet conversation. Um, but if it's just, you know, somebody running an, an agency, then it might just be, honestly, you just take take whoever Trump appointed. Um, if it's apolitical and you're not really worried about it, then maybe just mm-hmm. let the person stay. Um, that, was, that was one of my other questions was like, I think that would be anybody a, from his cabinet kind of just stay. That would be an extension of the race. I don't, think any, I don't think Trump's cabinet. I don't think anybody's. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much much of the that of the cabinet or those agencies that are apolitical like you may want them to be but you know it would be a sign of good faith if you could find some that you could leave in that position to just show that you know you're not walking in cleaning house well it's kind of Uh, what caesar did though (laughs) right yes yes you may stay but i'm going to add 200 positions over here and do as i will well a lot of his a lot of his enemies he kept you know, the ones that had fought him in the Civil War and that didn't really end up so well for him. I'm not saying yeah. Biden's going to be stabbed 23 times. Hopefully but, not. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it depends on the appointment. Um, but I don't see too many people in the cabinet sticking around. Let's just say that. I also came across uh, there's a government ethics office. I just thought that was kind of funny considering that, like, I feel like there's like almost zero ethics in politics. <laughs> probably a position that hasn't yet been filled uh, right <laughs> it's been vacant since 76 i don't say yeah that's uh yeah, that's that probably more fun. legality ethics well that's like um silicon valley and then just kind of remind me it reminded me of tristan harris um mm-hmm. when they had like uh tech ethics and they called it uh gavin belson called it tethics it was like <laughs> It's like on the surface, like, yeah, it's a good idea, but people aren't going to follow it. They're going to be like, yeah, whatever. We're just going to put our name on it. Well, we follow Tethics, but we're not actually going to be, you know, ethical. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing here. Hey, we're so going to have people, a people are reading the user office, agreement. But it's just for, like, show. But Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things, too, where um, how many federal employees are there? So there's probably suits or... I don't know lawsuits administratively that we're just not really exposed to where you know the people at the top there's one set of standards it's the same standard but they're just applying it to two different groups of people which we often see with individuals at the very top where yeah we we joke oh there's a there's a an ethics part (laughs) which I get that but the amount of like uh, I don't know within the government with the amount of money and power that many of those agencies are entrusted for and plus they're public entities, you know, um, I'm sure that, you know, we joke about it, but 
you know, I'm sure there's more going on with it than probably, we Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's funny. You probably have the legal end of that too. You know, if there's lawsuits that end up being filed uh, for for something that's uh, that's considered a breach of uh, ethics within a, a agency, well, then you have to have somebody that's coming in to arbitrate that, uh, or that's mm-hmm. at least going to sit in an advisor adversarial yeah. capacity. So that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what the you know what the specifics of their role is but like like Goosh said it is kind of funny to think about that ex- existing with uh, the current state of things well yeah just like uh, conflicts of interest you know with the appointments I'm sure there's issues with that if you're um, you know for example I think President Trump had to uh, walk away from some of his private businesses or his foundation or something i forget he was running and he had to have his kids kind of take over and run it um because there was a conflict of interest with an individual in a powerful position and that's what happened with hunter biden too when he became vice president that's that's where a lot of that information like like Mm -hmm. that you're seeing from the trump wall this is what's happening to hunter like no he had to take over business because there was a conflict of interest like Mm -hmm. that's that's a requirement by the federal government. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, and I think that came into call too whenever you know you saw um, some of Trump's children be put into you know not actual offices, but but be given some level of responsibility within his uh, administration. You know, I'm sure that there was a question of ethics there, and they had to be vetted and, and look at their assets, and so that probably does fall into that domain as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do we want to go with our bold predictions on transition to kind of close it out? Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll kind of go. I feel like Trump is going to leave <laughs> kicking and screaming. I think they're going to like literally have to pull him out of the office. But I think he will be out before Jan. Well, on January twentieth. I'm wishful thinking, but um, I think it's going to be a little bit. Kind of like almost like a kind of like what you said with the boy king kind of getting the child out of the out of bed to go to school or from this well not for Trump just to just to go home <laughs> out of there. But that's my prediction. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, I think um, kicking and screaming sounds about right. Um, I, I tend to agree with that. Although I think it's going to be everything in his power to get the supreme court to get involved somehow because i still think he believes that there's a quid pro quo there although if you listen to the oral arguments uh for the aca today it doesn't seem like um that's going anywhere uh anytime soon uh at least all of it i don't think is going to disappear overnight because of the supreme court so i'm not sure if, if trump really believes that he's getting uh what do you thought he was going to get from the Supreme Court? Um, but I would not be surprised if we head into December and uh, all these electors in these key states are now getting cold feet, meaning that the state legislators are not so eager um, to put them put them forward to the to the governor uh, of their states places like pennsylvania for example or even michigan but 
I don't know, or, or really even Nevada or Arizona, I guess any of those states, as long as you can get Biden below 270, um, whatever that strategy is, then um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we get into December and there's some, you know, it's December 10th, December 11th, and we're all like, oh, what's going to happen with these electors? Like, they're supposed to certify. Um, yeah, just... Just be just be ready for that. We'll get through Thanksgiving, I hope, but and we'll get through Thanksgiving thinking, okay, everything's gonna hold tight, um, and then I think December will hit, and it's gonna be once the was it once we're a week out from the electors mm-hmm. uh, casting their vote. Um, I think that's gonna be the moment of truth for our country. So I yeah, hope I, kinda, I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> I kind of had a similar uh, similar thought process to you, especially with the uh, concerns about you know trying to weaponize the Supreme Court in some way um, to, to uh, you know to carry out his pipe dream. What, what it hopefully is a pipe dream, but uh, yeah. So I my thought is that you know we'll see going through the end of November that this is you know we're going to continue to see kind of the same rhetoric that we've been seeing and pursuing these lawsuits to whatever degree they can get to um and then yeah i I hope we don't see the cold feet from the electors that's definitely uh a very serious concern um i and this is me just kind of taking another stance because I don't want to say all the same things you did, Kushan, because I do kind of feel that way. But so, so let me add to this, the, the potential for, you know, the United States does hold a dominant position globally. Uh, so our election is the concern of many nations. So do we hit a point where, you know, uh, oversight, agencies like this, like this uh, IEOM uh, or others, uh, maybe the United Nations. Uh, I know they don't, they don't arbitrate um, elections, but, you know, if we start to get into a, a thing where we've got some hostilities, do they send peacekeepers to the United States? You know, do we get to a point where, you know, there's such a, such a social divide and, and uh, you know, that celebration that we all saw turns to violence if it goes the other way. Uh, and like Lindbergh had mentioned, you know, the, the left certainly has the potential to be violent and, and, uh, and such, but the, the right is you know, just by virtue of their position, arguably more, more well prepared for an armed conflict. So do we see, a situation where, you know, we, we come into January with uh, uh, peacekeeping uh, in place. I, I certainly hope very, very dearly that that's not the case. And again, that's not what I genuinely think is going to happen, but I see that as a possible, uh, one of many possible outcomes. And then again, you get into a point where we hopefully find that, the, that he is forced to leave and the kicking and screaming of executive orders as that happens. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to be the uh, outlier here in the group and I'm not, I'm not so certain that um, we're done seeing a, I'm not outside the realm of there being a possibility that that votes change and that um, 
I think it's still anybody's game. Um, I'm just gonna put it that at that. Um, I know that's not uh, within our in our, our our four votes here. I'm the the one casting on the outside, but I think there's. I mean, again, there's potential for anything to happen. Like what? There's some reasonings behind some of the different things. Um, I'm not yet convinced that we know all the information that's being that's in the back background. Um, whether that be because people are not willing to let that be known, or if that's because people don't have all the evidence collected and the evidence has not been put out. Um, but why would you hold it back information if you had it um, when you were to try and put forth, you know, a, an argument towards a judge to hear the case? You do want to put out some of the evidence, but not all the evidence. Um, and I think that, that that's a potential for some some interesting things to occur from now until December. And at the end of the day, my thought is no matter who wins, make sure that the votes are counted correctly and the votes are are given to the right side that um, they were casted by the people. Let democracy rule out. Um, now, whether that's for Trump, so be it. If that's for Biden, so be it. Um, I personally um, do not share views, many views with with either candidate. You know, I'm I'm very middle of the road with these two candidates. Um, there's potential for a lot of things to happen. Um, now, where where I see a potential for um, some kicking and screaming is is if for for both both things to happen. I mean, you're going to get kicking and screaming if if Trump is declared not the winner, and you're going to get kicking and screaming if Trump is declared the winner. Mm -hmm. um, and that in and of itself is that same concept that I brought up earlier, the divisiveness and the um, idea of <clears throat> how so many different media platforms have put American people against each other. Um, in reality, that if I were to walk out here right now and knock on a neighbor's door, no matter whose neighbor it is, and say, um, you know, hey, um, I need a pair of socks and shoes, I'm pretty sure that a neighbor would, would give it to me. Um, and I'm sure that all four of us can say the same in our four of our different regions that we live in. Um, America is a resilient country and has been. Um, we got through some very, very dark times, and I think we can get through this not a problem as well. Um, it's just how people react and how media puts things against us or for us or, you know, whatever have you. And then I don't know. It's just I'm I'm still on the observe and be quiet about it kind of mm. kind of idea, um, and I'm not very like that. <laughs> well, so uh, so you actually sparked an interest in, and I have two things that. So I, I just want to plant a flag right here and, and rewind a minute and ask ask with you, and then I, I need to ask Gujan a question on this as well because I think that he's probably got more insight into this. So so when uh, when you mentioned. Um, you know, and and I and I agree with you fully that you know whichever way this goes, there's definitely going to be kicking and screaming on both sides. Sure. Um, do you think that we will see the same executive level response either way? So, so, so what I'm what I'm meaning, I guess, is 
from the say, well, well, that and yeah. So say say that President Trump uh, maintains his position. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that he takes this win graciously, and that Biden, Biden, you know, the 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 right and left people, notwithstanding, candidate wise, do you think that that Trump takes that gracefully? As we, you know, I I was very surprised to see with his acceptance speech in 2016 that seemed very gracious. Um, I somebody did a good job writing that for him. Um, so do you think we see that, and we see Biden? you know, kind of stepping down as the, the elder statesman, you know, retreating from politics, much to the outrage of the left? Or do you think we see this kind of, ha ha, I told you I won, and this, uh, from the other side, this, I'm going to fight this forever. And then, you know, essentially flip those perspectives. How do you see that playing out? I can see all those scenarios happening, um, in all honesty. Um, I think that... Um, Trump did win gracefully ish. I mean, he's just, in other words, he's, he stuck to script mm-hmm. in 2016. Um, he didn't veer far off of that. And we know that when he veers off the script, he sounds even worse than what he sounds when he just reads the script. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I, I don't know. Biden, Biden's tried to be president three other times, mm. like, or two other times, three other times. He's tried, and I think that if this doesn't happen, like he he may be uh, very upset, um, and I don't think um, his running mate Harris is going to bow down easily either, um, because I mean she's feisty, which is 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 was good to see in the vice presidential debate. Mm. Um, she stood up for herself, you know, and I, and I think she will do the same when it comes to this election, no matter the outcome as well. I think Trump could win gracefully, but I know that Trump also cannot win gracefully. Um, the haha told you so mentality could spark a executive order to disenfranchise every social media out there platform into a first amendment issue that then the news is no longer allowed to, do certain things. I think there's a snowball effect on that, but um, obviously that's a huge rabbit hole, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I, I think there's a potential for all of that to happen um, for a gracious win for both sides and for a, a sore loser mentality for a loss, but also okay. for a gracious loss. And I think that the gracious loss is going to be only coming from Biden. Um, if there was a gracious loss, it's going to come from Biden. He's going to accept the fact that he, he was defeated Um and and that's that's that you know. Yeah, I think you're right there. I don't I don't think he'll see that from his party. Um, but but I think that if there is the potential for a, yeah, kind of a gracious loss at the end of all of this, I think that's where you'll see it from. Um, and and if I'm being honest with myself, Gujan, I did have a, a question for you that that applied to kind of the the legal side of this, and now it's escaped me. So I'll uh, when I when I re-listen to this, I'll I'll probably send you a text and, and ask you um, because <laughs> it was a point. It was something along the way that that uh, Lembrick that you brought up, and it was just kind of a it it struck me as something, and I probably should have written it down, but here I am, ill prepared. I'll put it in the uh, the addendum. So uh, until next time, when we can maybe have. Uh, more clarity on this issue and uh, talk about something different. Well, since we've gotten till <laughs> we've gotten yeah. till the middle of December to, to let this chaos play out so we can mm-hmm. uh, 
maybe we'll pursue one of those other topics next time. Thank you for joining us for our most recent episode of the Pandemic Classroom. If you'd like to receive updates on the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pandemic Class or subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time on the Pandemic Classroom.